Hi, and welcome to the Writers' Forum on WRBH. I'm David Benedetto, and today I'll be talking with award-winning poet, performer, and librettist Douglas Kearney, who is the author of six books of poetry, teaches writing at CalArts, and is one of the featured readers for this year's New Orleans Poetry Festival, happening this weekend, among many other things. Hey, how's it going today, Douglas? It's going well, David. Thank you. Well, man, I know you're going to be here in a couple of weeks for the Poetry Festival in New Orleans as a featured mm-hmm. reader. Uh, how are you feeling about that? Oh, I'm excited about it. I've never been to New Orleans before. And, um, yeah, it's a, and then also just looking at the list of different participants and panels and, you know, the other readers, it's, it's, it's really going to be an exciting event. Oh, fantastic. Fantastic. Um, to kind of do a deep dive, I've got some fun questions I want to ask you today. Um, the first of which is, uh, I was wondering what's the first poem you read that really had an effect on you and, and could you describe how it made you feel? Oh, that's a wonderful question. Um, I think the one that I first read as a kid that really affected me was probably Shel Silverstein's Me Who and the Exactly What. Um, and I think it's interesting to think about that because I haven't you know, necessarily been thinking about it much recently. But when you ask the question, it was sort of the thing that I guess prepared my brain for falling in love with the work of folks like Harriet Mullen or, you know, the signifying game, you know, signifying games or like language games. Um, and I think that it was just the idea that these words could mean two or three things at once and that you could sort of juggle them around and shuffle them around. And at the time, I didn't think of that as being a real thread in poetry. I thought it was just this one thing that was happening. Yeah. And so now, you know, when I think when I think about the kinds of work that I like or the kinds of work that, you know, I I write or try to write through, it's usually work that has that kind of play to it, but really wants to use it for serious um, or you know, sort of I guess sort of social commentary or cultural criticism. No, I get that. That that's interesting about like kind of the formulation of your, your poems, which is something I'm I'm interested in hearing a little bit more uh, about. Um, your poems are really fun to look at. They have really mm-hmm. dense and sometimes very dark material within them, but they're they're really fun uh, in, in a lot of ways. Very playful on the page and what you do there. Do you have fun writing them? Like, what, what's your emotional state when you're writing poems these days? <laughs> the ones that are really dense on the page. Uh... Or, or, or playful on the page. Um, I, I'm working with, I guess, what I would call, you know, with like a little registered, fake registered trademark at the end. <laughs> would be, uh, you know, a poetics of accumulation. It's uh, The example I always use is like, if you've ever watched that old public access television uh, painting show Bob with Bob Ross, mm-hmm. like, you know, the show lasts about 22 minutes. He's painting for the first 18 and it doesn't look like anything. You're like, I don't know what this is going to be. And then somewhere around like 18 minutes and 23 seconds, he, he makes a green dot. And suddenly like, oh my gosh, it's a forest, right? <laughs> and, so, and so when I write the poems that are like really playful on the page, it's a very similar sort of feeling because I don't want any one thread or any one block of text to sort of carry the entirety of the message. So like I'm working or the entirety of the idea. So they're all like fragments of it. And it's only through their sort of interplay uh, with the poet David St. John, uh, you saw it's called like a kind of a mobile effect, right? That you see like that it kind of coheres. So a lot of the times when I'm working in that, in that mode, 
I'm terrified that it's just not going to be anything. <laughs> like, you know, the first, the first, you know, three quarters of it, I'm just sort of like, all right, something's going to have to lock into place here. Um, and that's fun. Uh, but it's also this sort of like exercise in faith. Yeah. You know, yeah. No, I, I get that. And um, it's interesting kind of that that playful nature is also, you know, experimental. You're on the frontier of all these things, whether or not they, they turn out working. Um, I know you edited a um, collection of the best experimental writing for 2015. <laughs> yeah, back, back. Yeah. And I, I was interested what you think it means to be an experimental writer today. Like what... Because it's meant so many things in the past, and everybody's always been on the edge of something. But what does it mean right now in you know, 2018? Well, you know, I've been thinking a lot about the idea of, like, most of us talk about experimental writing, and we are, and we're thinking of a, of a style. But I really think, honestly, I really think that experimental is a process. Um, if, if, if I move from these kinds of performative, typographical poems and then decide to write really, really traditional, say, sonnets, mm-hmm. then that, for me, as an individual, is an experiment. Um, and I think that, that one of the things that, when editing that anthology, for some of the pieces that we selected, I was thinking about the poem in hand um, in the trajectory of that writer's work, you know, the, the piece of writing in hand in the tra- trajectory of that writer's work. And so, like, there were people for whom... I was like, now this, for this person, is an experiment. Hmm. Um, and so there were a few that got in where I was really kind of testing out that idea, testing out that thesis and seeing how, I, how it felt to have it in that space. But, I mean, I think that, you know, in, in 2018, in this particular moment, um, it's not necessarily a new idea to use techniques from, say, social media or even visual forms from social media uh, to generate poems, you know, the internet as a source of uh, poetic composition, you know, whether you're talking about Flarf or, or um, you know, other sort of, or, or more like, um, un, un, or, or, or more, or I should say less uh, performatively mediative uh, appropriation techniques, right? Yeah. Like that stuff's been going on for a long time. But I will honestly say that one of the things that I'm thinking about um, right now, um, is if we're thinking about the possibilities of pulse in a poem, like, you know, what a lot of people identify as meter, but, you know, not necessarily iambic pentameter, but just like pulse, how many accents are in a line, how many beats are in a line, like, how does an emoji communicate, how does an emoji folk, uh, function in that kind of a poetic line? In other words, like, here's an image that we can ascribe language to, but that language isn't necessarily 100% clear. Um, like, you know, a winking emoji, is that saying, just kidding? Is that just saying, wink? Like, what is the actual language that we're applying to that? And so, therefore, if I have, going back to the example of a sonnet, if I have a, a, a line of a sonnet, and in the place of what would be a two-syllable word, I put an emoji do we read those, that emoji as like syllables, Yeah, you know? And so that to me is really interesting. And also, of course, um, I think that right now a question around speed, uh, you know, is important, mm-hmm. um, in the era of like hot take and immediate response, um, t- 
time and permanence, I think, are, are things that are, that are rife for experimentation. What happens if you have um, a poem that really assembles or you assemble it over a really long time, but publicly, slowly? What happens if you have a hot take, but like, you know, I think it's a Snapchat, you know, like it disappears. Um, what is the book of poetry in a moment of sort of disposable text? Interesting. Okay, that, that, that's fascinating. You've given me a lot to think on just in those statements about uh, emojis, for one thing, thinking about the ambiguity with using them and just how people can imbue whatever they want onto them. And you have little control of that. So how do you set those definitions with, with the meter, with the pulse right there? That, that's interesting. Absolutely. Uh, and uh, thinking about that social media, I've been I was rereading your 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 book uh, from two thousand nine, the Black Automaton. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and thinking about what some of the things that you're doing in there, some of the strategies you have in terms of uh, the Facebook newsfeed and kind of that collage effect. And I was wondering if you had any thoughts about that. You know, I mean, I I, I like the idea of you know at that at that point, I wasn't and I wasn't on. Facebook. I don't think I got on Facebook until a little bit after that. Yeah. Um, but the the ways that I think about a lot of the poems in the Black Automaton, because because most of them I started in like 2006, mm. and um, you know, there's sentence mapping. You know, definitely a part of that. Um, the idea of the flow chart, and I remember I did one, and, and like the first one I ever did didn't actually make it into the book, but I remember showing Nicole, that's the woman who married me, um, this this draft, and she was, and I was like, oh, you know, baby, this is like the, either like the, 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 the coolest thing I've ever written or the most ridiculous, maybe it's both, <laughs> right? And then she just looked at it for like three seconds, and she was like, oh, it's a map of the hip-hop consciousness, and walked out of the room. <laughs> I was just like, oh, okay. <laughs> I was like, that's what it is. So I mean, um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, in the space of those poems, what I'm really interested in are, are, are two or three things. Like one is the idea of multiple voices in a space. And there goes that sort of, uh, that's, that's like the, that's like the, I guess the entry level to the Facebook newsfeed, mm -hmm. right? There's multiple voices in a space. But because it's quoting song lyrics, right, it also has the feel of, like, um, ads or links or, like, oh, watch this video, right? When you quote something, in my, in my, in my sense of things, when you quote something, you, 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 you want to highlight the part of the quote, you know, the, the part of the, ultimate, of, the, of the full text mm -hmm. that you've quoted, but you're also kind of carrying in the rest of that thing with you. Right. Like you don't you kind of don't get to just quote this part without sort of engaging in a relationship with the, with the whole text. Huh. So like so in that way, those those quotes are acting as like links or like an image. I could see where that would kind of come come through. And the last thing that I'm really interested in with those poems that I was really interested in with those poems is simultaneity. Hmm. Right. Like, so how do you like it's easy to imagine interruption right in a poem um but it's harder to imagine like two things happening at once um and you know in in the text right i mean like we can understand it sort of narratively as it unspools like if i say this is happening as this is happening but in the actual act of two different threads of text do they overlap or do they act in sequence do they wait their turn 
turn or do they interrupt or, I mean, or, or do they like talk over each other? Yeah. And I think that that also has, you know, a similarity to kind of teeming quality of a page where, you know, it's updating as you go, it's refreshing as you go, um, you know, there's a GIF over here and it's switching around. Like when you're reading, you know, a Facebook newsfeed, at one level, your eye is seeing the entirety of the screen as a thing that's happening. And I think that's why some people just can't, don't want to engage with it because it's just too much. Yeah. Right. Um, but yeah, I think I, 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 I like that formulation. Uh, I can't, I can't claim it on the front end, but seeing it um, in dialogue with that now, um, you know, as a way of, as a way of sort of thinking through, I, I, I could definitely think through that even more. Yeah, no, I, th- I think so. Just right there, you're, you're working in that quantum realm, which is, which is interesting. Um, speaking of like descriptions of, of work, I, I thought my, a fun question might be, um, what are some, some words that people have used to describe your writing that you can't stand? <laughs> um, uh, gimmick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Ooh, that's so like, that just disregards like everything, every effort put into it. That's just like, yeah. oof, zing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, you know, and I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm conscious of the idea of that, of, of people thinking that that's what's happening. And I mean, there's, from my perspective, I, I go through a lot of choices um, before I make a poem do um, the kind of, again, performative typography. Like, I, I, I feel like I'm pretty rigorous and, ro- and robust about that process um so when somebody says gimmick it's exactly as you say david it's like oh okay so none of that mattered (laughs) and it's just kind of like all right um and and that's just not going to people just aren't going to engage um and uh yeah 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 that's i think that's i think that's the 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 biggest the biggest one i i feel like really like i've been fortunate in that uh the people who read the work um, and then, you know, write about it or talk to me about it or ask questions about it, um, you know, are, you know, being engaged, um, you know, or are, you know, working with it in a way that I think is generative and isn't a slog for them. So I, I, I don't have a lot of complaints about, about that kind of thing, but yeah, gimmick is the one that even before I saw it creep up in, a in a review once I was, it was already in my head. It's like, you, you got to make this, this, the, the typography can't be a special effect. Yeah. It can't be a gimmick. Um, so yeah. No, I, I get that. Cause I know like, uh, in poetry classes, you'll like see the, uh, someone made a butterfly out of it and you just like, you yeah. lose all the words and it's just like, it's not yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, exactly. do you, do you write every day? Do you write poetry every day? I don't write poetry every day. And that's been a real. I'm, I'm so glad you 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 sussed out that distinction because that's been one that I've been talking to people about. That it's like it is easier to write every day than I think a lot of us you know imagine. But yeah. I, but but most of us feel like if you're writing, it means that I sat down and I produced a draft. <laughs> right, right, right. And like, and like, and honestly, a lot of us are like not even thinking I produced a draft. You're thinking like I produced the thing. I'm gonna adjust the font, you know, maybe change the line break. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> right, right. And and I've been and I've had conversations with folks about like you know what are what's the equivalent to like a poet playing scales. You know, like yeah. what's 
you know, what's the equivalent to like a poet stretching? And, um, and, and so like, I think that, you know, you can write every day, the, the poet Ahmad Jamal Johnson, who's a, who's a good friend of mine, in his first book, uh, Red Summer, he talked about, well, he, he talked about regarding his first book, Red Summer, that one of the things that he would do is he would just take a sentence, a line of poetry, say, and he would just write it over and over, literally the same line, and physically write it over and over. No copy and pasting. He's writing in his journal. And he would do that for like 20 or 25 times, just 20, 25 times in a row, writing the same line. And then after 25 times, he would allow himself to change one word. So then he'd change one word, and then he'd do that. For 20 times or so, and then he could change another word. And so, like, this kind of process, right? Like, that's writing. Yeah. Now, now, you know, a person might not get up from the table and feel like, well, now I've completed a piece of poetry. <laughs> but in that time, he is thinking about the rhythm of that sentence. He is making choices about, like, he knows he's got, like, three more times, and then he gets to take change one word, Right. Think about that kind of focus. Think about that kind of fidelity to the sentence, to the line. And I'm like, that's writing at a really concentrated level, I think. Um, You know, he might, after a half an hour, have a stanza. Or he might simply have four discrete sentences that he doesn't even necessarily see as ultimately being um, a poem in himself or the beginning of a poem. But he has written and he's learned something about what he's thinking through. So I think that, I mean, I've tried to do a better job of just writing yeah. every day, even if it's like a line that's just expressing a moment of, of frustration, right? Um, like, like there's a, a line that I wrote in, in my journal that says, slang is a gum doll, professor. <laughs> like, I just like, like left that there. Um, but... Then I did that maybe three or four weeks ago. And then on Monday, I was just kind of leafing through my journal. I said, oh, what if I take that as a title? And I wrote something. I wrote a poem. I don't know that I love that poem, um, but I wrote to it. And I accomplished some things that I'm interested in thinking through in terms of like rhyme scheme and sort of rhythmic pattern and that kind of thing. Yeah, no, kind of strategic like moving forward, which I think is, is great because some people are like, I have this draft and I'm going to perfect this draft. But I think, you know, having those exercises and trying to, like, you know, like painting or sketching, I think you're, you're doing models or you're doing things in order to eventually incorporate them in a way that's useful. Exactly. You, you had mentioned talking about performance and different veins of, of kind of, of thinking about your, your work. And I know you use um, a lot of different techniques, especially when you're out there and you're reading, you use videography, kind of this polyphony, a lot of different things. And one of the things I was interested in is hearing about when you conceive of a poem or you're working those things through, what type of frameworks or analogies are you thinking about? Are you thinking about in musical terms? Are you thinking about in like storyboarding? Like what's really helpful for you? Oh, gosh, man. You, these are like the, the perfect questions. I mean, at different points in my writing life, I've I've thought through typically either a musical metaphor or a theatrical metaphor. Mm-hmm. The theatrical metaphor was was fairly typical of the first um, half, I guess we could say, of, of my kind of public writing life, which was like, oh, okay, I've written this poem. Um, I am responsible for delivering this poem um, in a way that's, that's like, that honors the lines, not, 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 to suggest that, you know, I feel like if I've written a poem, I just read straight through it if there's no 
you know, like as if there were no line breaks, but like I was trying to replicate a performance. Right. Um, And then there've been other moments where I've thought much more in a sort of a musical um, framework, but like live music in the sense of, okay, well tonight, this is how I'm feeling about stuff. So I'm going to read this poem. And I think that the, in, in, in this way, or like, I'm going to, it's going to be faster. It's going to be slower. And I think that the poems that are, um, uh, you know, again, those kinds of like uh, typographically dense ones lend themselves to the musical mode a little better. Yeah. Like, I don't feel responsible for reading them in a particular order. For yeah. years, the poems from the Black Automaton that were kind of spread across the page, I would always have audience members sequence them. They'd put like a number next to this stanza or this line. <laughs> Um, and I would read that one first, or they'd put two, three, four next to a stanza, and I would go and I'd read that, you know, second, third, and fourth in a row. And I never just picked up those poems and just read them however I felt like it. There's no, quote-unquote, master reading of those poems. Yeah. Um, but, but after about four or five years working like that, I felt like, okay, well, I've learned a lot from going with the audience's reading. Um and so now with these other poems, I feel like I can um, enter a space that's much more, I guess, improvisational at the moment of the piece. Um, I can repeat parts because I've now seen that audience members, that readers do that. Yeah. They go, oh, I want to go back to this part. So I was like, okay. So I kind of felt like I got permission from you know dozens of people who sequenced these poems. Um, and then I would reread their sequences and all of that. Um, I have a weird relationship to visual imagery um, in poems most recently. Um, So that doesn't preclude storyboarding, but it definitely uh, changes a sense of storyboard. Recently, maybe if, if you, if I've written say 16 or 18 things in the past month, three of those things have been completely done by hand. Um, Like, you know, handwritten type, handwritten, um, um, like, like penciling it out and then inking it. And there's something really interesting about that that kind of taps into my interest in comics and stuff like that. Um, but, but for the most part, um, the visual, uh, you know, the visual image, not the poem as a visual, um, is something that I'm really trying to sort through. It's strange, but I oftentimes feel like... Um, that's the space where I feel the most sort of, um, I'm trying not to use a melodramatic word because it's not the, it's not the thing, but I, I, I say allergic. Yeah. I, I usually say allergic. I just kind of had this sort of allerg- allergic reaction to like when I start looking at like and describing, uh, you know, s- scenes or, 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 or furniture or, you know. I, I don't mean to make it sound like it's about describing quotidian things. It's like anything. I could be talking about a dragon, and suddenly I'm like, ugh. <laughs> it's like, ah, <laughs> you know, the red sky. Ah, you know, there's yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. I would much rather hear it. I would much rather hear the dragon. I would much rather, or 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 make dragon, uh, the the word dragon clatter against some other word in a dragonly way yeah. <laughs> than than. Than, than, than see the bat wings, you know? I, I, that's, so, so it's interesting to think about storyboarding and sound, yeah. um, you know, and, and so, yeah. 
Interesting. That's actually a, a fun challenge. No, I get that. And it kind of leads me to my next question, um, dealing a lot in that last a bit about strategies and about, you know, kind of formalizing and frameworks. Um, I subscribe to uh, Poets.org's Poem a Day um, oh, yeah. newsletter, and there was one today by um, Araceli's Germay. And she's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. She, in her, in her explanation yeah. at the end, they do little explanations. She, has, she had this quote at the very end of it I've been thinking about, and she said... Um, Probably I will be writing this poem for the rest of my life. And, oh, yeah. Yeah, I thought, I thought that was beautiful. And I, I want to talk to you about that and, and see if there's a certain, like, poetic idea or a cer certain thing that's really stuck with you that you're either really trying to formulate into a poem every time and continually doing or that you're always writing variations on. Oh, that, oh wow, that's such a great question. I mean... Certainly, mm, one of the things that I think about a lot is human capacity for cruelty. Yeah. Um, I think I write about that a lot. Um, I think I write a lot about the idea of the intersection of violence and entertainment a lot. I think that I think that that's really the the thing: violence and entertainment. Yeah. How they how they um, overlap, and and that to me allows me to write about, you know, write what I'm thinking about, um, um, you know, like performance and being a performer, like you know, like writing poems about performers or 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 thinking through performance or writing essays about that kind of thing, um, you know, and so, and and I think that that becomes a thing that I that I'm that I'm constantly going back to. Um you know. Um there there is a there is there is, there are times where I where I where I do feel self conscious um and feel like, okay, well, you know, let's 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 do something a little bit different. And I'm fully aware of like that's not necessarily what, you know, any poet is called to do. Yeah. You know, any writer isn't necessarily called to like you know, keep coming up with new ideas and new stuff. Like that's not necessarily what is required. Um, as much as it might just be a deepening understanding or deepening, not understanding, but a deepening inquiry into, um, you know, into existing work uh, or or exist or an existing theme. But yeah, yeah, I would say I would say that's that's it. I mean, like. Violence and spectacle, violence and, and, and entertainment, or maybe it's how the how the spectacular is often centered around violence. I would I would I would say that a lot. And like you know, um, I think that you know, as as an African American uh, writer and somebody who grew up in Los Angeles, um, Los Angeles area, this is like particularly interesting to me because at one level. You know, you watch the video of the police officers, you know, beating Rodney King. That mm -hmm. is spectacle and violence. You know, you listen to gangster rap. That is, you know, spectacle and violence. You know, the Western as a film genre is what kept, you know, Hollywood going for years. You know, again, spectacle, violence, sports, spectacle. It's all, you know, like the car chases, the, you know, that are broadcast on the news, you know, all of that. Um, I just feel really... I don't know. Like that's, I feel like that's the field I work in. Yeah. Um, most of all. 
Interesting. That's really an interesting answer. Um, I, I know our, our time is short, so I want to ask you one more thing. Um, what what work are you most proud of at this point? Is there a single poem or, or anything that you worked on that you are really just happy with, like solid with? Has anything come to mind? Raising my kids. Yeah. I love my children. Yeah. That's like, like, you know, um, but if I, if I had to pick something that I've written, wow. um, I mean, that's hard. I mean, like, I, I feel good when I've, when I feel like I've been able to communicate an idea or to capture something, um, uh, in a way that's clear, um, or, or the right kind of Merck, right? Yeah. But I really try to think about, okay, what's the next thing? What's the next thing? What's the next thing? <laughs> um, you know, I, 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 I was concerned before my, before I ever published a book, I always used to tell myself, look, you know, like you should have like two or three books written. So that when the first book gets published, um, if people like like it and, and pay compliments, I won't then just write a second version of that same book trying to get those compliments. Yeah. Right. Then I'll be like, okay, well then I'll, I'll, I'll the second book will already have been written. I won't know whether or not anybody was going to like anything, right? And so it'll just be kind of in this sort of space, of like, well, this is what I wrote in a kind of a vacuum of, 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 of not knowing what was going to be the most, um, you know, important, um, or, uh, you know, or, or I shouldn't say the most important, but the most, the, the, the work that people were like, oh yeah, this is like, this is good work. Yeah. Like more of this. Um, you know, it didn't work out like that. Like I didn't have, you know, two, three books down, but what I did was I just kind of like when I finished fearsome, you know, I do readings from it, but I was just like, okay, gotta do the next thing. Gotta yeah. do the next thing. Um, I like, I like things that I've, that I've written. I, I, I enjoy them, um, you know, or I, or I like watching how the kind of typographic work has changed, you know, but, you know, I also can look at it and be like, ah, oh, man, you know, like, you know, everything's still on like lines, you know, like you're still on the grid, you just kind of turn to the grid, but you know, so like, <laughs> like, so like I'm, I'm, I tend to look at the work and kind of see, not in like, it's not tortured. It's not like, oh, it'll never be good. But I just tend to look at it and go like, okay, this is what I learned by doing that. How can I, um, how can I take this further or what's a different way of exploring it? Yeah. So I think more than any individual piece, if I were to say I'm proud of anything, I guess I would say that I am proud of the fact that poetry um has been that that i have been able to open myself up enough to the demands of the poems that generally speaking what i feel needs to happen or what i feel like i need to explore or what i feel like i need to learn is more important than like me just making sure I, I I replicate, you know, something that I would think of as a success. Yeah. Like I I am proud of my 
ability to commit to poetry as a pursuit. And when I say I'm proud of my ability, I don't mean like I am proud that I have this skill set. No, I feel because I didn't expect that I would commit to anything like that. I didn't, you know, next, except, you know, like, you know, human relationship. Yeah. But like to a pursuit. So I don't know if pride is the right word. It's, it's just, I'm, 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 I'm glad that I don't feel like I've gotten there yet. I'm glad I don't feel like I've gotten there yet. I'm glad I feel like, you know, that, 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 that there are more questions and maybe better questions or just, I'm just willing to follow these questions. You know, I'm glad that, I'm glad that folks have come along with me on this trip because I didn't expect it, you know? Yeah. I didn't expect people to be interested, you know? Um, you know, not for as long as they have, um, you know, not in the ways that they have. Um, so I, I, I don't think I can take credit for any of that as much as I can just say like, wow, like, like poetry is so capacious and I'm, I'm, I'm honored that I can participate in it in a way that might mean something more than to just me. But I, I don't think that's pride. I, I just think I just feel like blessed. Yeah. No, I think that's a that's a solid answer. And uh, I think we'll, we'll end it there. Um, Douglas, thank you so much for your time, for being so generous with it. It's been a true pleasure getting to talk with you. Thank you, David. I really had a great time. That was poet, performer, and librettist Douglas Kearney, who you can see read live on Saturday at Siberia Lounge on St. Claude Avenue at 7 p.m., along with the poets Carolyn Hembry, Tanya M. Foster, and several poet-led bands as part of the New Orleans Poetry Festival, which is going on this weekend. You can find more information about that at noladpoetry.com. And that's our show. You've been listening to the Writers' Forum on WRBH 88.3 FM here in New Orleans. You can catch our show every Thursday at 3 p.m. as well as on Sundays at 8.30 a.m. And you can stream us on our website, wrbh.org. You can listen to an extended version of this interview by going to our SoundCloud page, soundcloud.com slash WRBH Reading Radio, as well as on iTunes and Google Play. I'm David Benedetto. Until next time.